0: The Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Planted with Sarah Pion. I'm Sarah Pion, your host. And today we have Meg Saunders, the CEO of Canna Provisions, on the show. Meg, welcome. Thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you, Sarah. It's a pleasure to be here and talking about some of our favorite stuff, cannabis and women and all kinds of cool stuff.
0: Yeah. And I'm also really excited to hear more about what you're doing on the East Coast because, you know, cannabis is is starting to pop up throughout the nation. We have more areas, we have more states that have cannabis programs and not, which is very different from when you and I both started in this
1: space. Right? When we were one of one. Yeah. <laughs> and then we were one of two or whatever. And then it just became, it's so, it's so interesting how it evolved. I mean, probably in the scope of a lot of businesses really, really quickly. But, you know, for us, it's just like, wow, it seems like forever that I did that or forever that we started, you know? I know. It's true. It's like when I
0: started, it seemed like there were very, well, there were days where I would work for days in the shop and be the only female. And just knowing that you were, on top of that, you were one of a handful of people that were working in the industry. It was a time where I was like, well, for me, I got into it after cancer, so my friends and family were like, oh, Sarah, she's having the equivalent of a midlife crisis after cannabis. I mean, after cancer. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. then later on, it was, oh, I'm really curious about what you're doing. This is actually a viable industry and um can you tell me more about cannabinoids and and products and it it took time for things to normalize and people to understand that you know those of us who may have come from you know I was I was coming from downtown working in the financial district for a nonprofit that it wasn't a fluke and it wasn't you know we weren't being just wild and crazy this is a viable industry that's creating generational wealth and really Done the right way it can really help a lot of different things in all the states, though not a panacea
1: right so yeah, I mean I, I think i I think you touched on a on a lot of things right there, and I do think this notion of that cannabis today is creating general generational wealth is absolutely not accurate. I right. think that it is um highly misunderstood how heavily taxed we are um and how um, how heavy that burden is, and I, I I truly I tell people this all the time. Anytime I have an opportunity to talk about the business or, you know, what's going on, and like like I mean, my entire team, but Eric and I in particular, we're wildly wildly active in each of our communities. So we're on boards of chambers and volunteers for all kinds of philanthropic things. I'm a lion. Um, I'm on the parade committee. We're both on boards of our chambers. And we just, we spend a ton of time like in the community and not cannabis community, like just the city, the business communities around us. And anytime I get an opportunity just to let people know, because that that is the biggest misnomer. And I think the, the big thing that happens out of that is price gouging um really lack of empathy i think it's disservice to people entering the market and um that because they just, just they're not they're not trusting they're trusting but they're not verifying you know and and honestly just look at any public company's balance sheet and you're going to understand what that cash flow really looks like right and it's just painful and you know 280e is soul crushing it is business crushing and so you have to manage around that and at the end of the day you're, you're managing pennies it's that hard and there's just such a strategic financial eyeball that you have to have on this on this business, um, no matter what you're doing in it. And it's really it's really hard. And most people aren't even that significantly financial savvy anyway. Um, so then you add, oh, by the way, you have to manage the you have to find a special accountant, you have to find a special attorney, you have to find somebody who actually understands 280E and what does that look like and, oh. and how it affects your business and you know how do you manage cash flow month to month, day to day? It's it's a real tricky thing. And I, I think even just the savviness of you know what a budget is and what what um, You know, things actually cost in in the world and it's fascinating. It's really a fascinating space.
0: It is. It is. And then when you get into the policy side of it, the reason that we're not seeing more growth and generational wealth and all the possibilities that could happen is because from a policy standpoint... There's it just seems like I, I call it a syntax, although it's not taxation is only <laughs> one part of it. Right.
1: I like that you said that. That's perfect.
0: <laughs> but it's also that common sense goes out the window. Like um, when I was on the San Francisco Cannabis Oversight Committee, we had the controller's office a couple of years ago do a report on the price per gram of cannabis and how it had gone up. Because when we saw legalization here in California, it was insane how expensive everything got, and the sticker shock, especially for people who were needing it medicinally, was mm-hmm. devastating. But they were they were doing this report, and they were saying that the price per gram of cannabis was going up due to competition. And that's when I got on my mic, and I was like, okay, so if we understand anything about economics, that's not how it works. It doesn't go up for competition. It goes up because we're overtaxed. The price of doing business in California is extraordinarily high, and well, you know, let's talk California and real estate. That's a whole other headache. That's another like thing. Yeah.
1: Well, also payroll. You know, just how much it costs to pay a human to live in in the state of California, and it's a big number. It is. And and how much people, it, it with any specialization in the space, or even their notion of specialization, which is kind of a it's always a weird thing, you know, this master grower notion and all of these things that we've debunked over the years. But there is a um, clearly became a market for people with certain level of alleged uh, experience. And then what they started charging people to access that data point or those the data points that they have inside them or the knowledge base they have inside them. And none of it is transferable. It's not written down, there's no spreadsheets, there's no pro, you know there's no SOPs. and it's just became you're just so aware of how um, this industry just has a lot of sophistication that it needs to add. And what I'm finding is there's this massive gap of people that are actually in it and have done it and touched the plant, you know, that kind of side of it from a very almost activist kind of way, um, and you're really passionate about doing the right thing. Right. And then there's the software guys that exited tech at some level and think they can just swoop in and, oh, I know how to, I got this. And you're just like, welcome to cannabis. And they're they, the, the notions and the eye rolls that you get when you're trying to explain how complicated it is. And it's just, it there is a gap between people that have knowledge, but don't have a ton of sophistication in a business sense. And then people that have a lot of sophistication in a business sense, especially in the break the rules and where's the loopholes and how can I screw over people kind of sense. And when those are converging, it's just, it's a really hard thing. It's a really tough thing to stomach, you know?
0: It is. hard. It, It is. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's like, I, I will do work for other clients, run education, things like that. But because of what we've seen, like in the past decade, the word consultant has become a very dirty word. Like I remember when I would still step behind the bar from time to time and work with staff. And I was helping somebody who looked at the receipt. And this was just a little bit before legalization. And he was like, there's taxes on here. I'm like, yeah. He's like, we don't have to pay taxes. I'm like, yeah, you do.
1: Yeah, you do. <laughs> He's like,
0: I'm a cannabis consultant and none of my clients. I'm like, well your clients should really be thinking about that if they're working with you because you always pay the tax ban or the tax person, I should say, you know, and it's, it's really scary to see some of the information that's out there. But then, like you said, there are people who have like years of like institutional information, but how they're disseminating it and recording it and having it be able to be used you know, because everything prior to us having a formal cannabis industry was very much, you know, on the down low. You don't keep a paper trail. It's like, how do you, you know, memorialize all of that mm-hmm. information that people need? I mean, that's, that's kind of like the second stage of cannabis. Like when we look at, I always say, because my background is in org psych, we're coming in a time of storming, norming and reforming where you know we have all these people who have started to come in they're not as afraid to get involved in cannabis but we're also seeing these great amounts of upheaval and companies just either failing or having to step back and just reassess what they're doing and i mean here in california we're seeing massive extinction events i was just in humboldt this past fall and the amount of farmers that are stepping away from their farms is is just breathtaking.
1: Is that just mostly due to there's just nowhere to move the product to? Or it's at such a price point that it no longer makes sense or a little bit of both?
0: A little bit of both. And then the fact that, you know, they can't even afford their permits. I mean, the, there's, the, the rate of suicides in Mendocino oh. has been just heartbreaking.
1: Oh, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. It, and it, it just... It It, it takes such a toll. It takes such a toll on humans as I've been doing this for a long time and definitely went through the Colorado market um, and price, price compression and all the things that happen with massive, massive competition. And, you know, now we're watching other states who are going through it, I think, significantly more than Massachusetts. But... um, California is is not a fun space to be operating in right now. Michigan is not a fun space to be operating Mm. in right now. And, um, and mass is really, when I look at the numbers, you know, retail wise, there are certain cities and towns that went way overboard. They thought, Oh, if I'm getting this much from this pie, if I add a whole bunch, I'm going to have a really big pie. And I'm like, the pie is staying the same. All you're doing is driving the cost down or the price down, which ultimately, because tax works as a percentage of tickets, then guess what? You're just shooting yourself in the foot. And that basic knowledge of that is an anathema to a lot of people that are making those decisions in cities and towns. It's crazy to me. Isn't that interesting? Because if they
0: applied it to other industries, I think they would see it more clearly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's because in people's heads that if you were associated with the cannabis industry in any way, shape or form, they think that you just installed a bunch of ATMs that are just spitting out money at you. Just $20 bills, $100 bills. Like you are just drowning in money and they just don't understand that every single person has their handout. Every single person and company, um, Need you know is going to charge you more, or we're just dealing with. And this is my our biggest pain point right now, and it's been my biggest pain point in Canvas probably since day one. And that's just payroll providers. I'm dealing with seriously duct tape and flipping bubble gum, um, and just it's been you know it takes days and days to do payroll, and you're just like this is just crap software, and we just need the players that do this as a living professionally forever, like ADP or paychecks or, you know, name name a handful. I would kill to have paychecks right now. I would kill to have ADP right now. Um, instead, we're limping along and my HR department is like, this is awful. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. There is no alternative. <laughs> this is what we've got. And then I just, I do like, I'm not trying to rank order grief in any way, shape or form, <laughs> but I do have a moment in time where we were paying people in cash and I had to give them their payslip a whole bunch of cash. We'd run it through the cash counter. We'd both sign off. Okay, we agree that you're taking two hundred and eighty-seven dollars and forty-two cents. Yes, I agree. And you know, they'd walk out the door with cash in an envelope. That that was their payroll. And that's you know, it's those little things that most people don't think about. They take for fully for granted. Like, what do you mean you can't get payroll? What do you mean you can't just da da da? I'm like, yeah, welcome to cannabis. Um, it is it is incredibly stressful. And the normal business resources that you're accustomed to using are sometimes, if not mostly, not available to you. So you're dealing with startups, you're dealing with people who had a great idea but have never run a software company or never like written code or um it's it's just so it's fascinating to me, just from the business side. And then compound that with how difficult it is in this space. And in a lot of spaces, this is not cannabis unique. It just is the topic of the day, because that's what we're talking about. But being, you know, the constantly the only woman, constantly, and how exhausting that is. And how I just, I get so tired of it, I just tend to just like sit back in my chair and just go, you guys just talk, and I'll just be over here nodding, because I just am not interested in trying to compete with a bunch of bros around a table. I'm just not. Yeah. So it's i, I ever and sometimes it's so disheartening sometimes you know you just walk in the room and you're like again, I'm the only female in this entire room, okay, and you know just the subtle misogyny, the um ignoring you know the um not thinking I can have a conversation about football and golf, but by the way, maybe I don't want to um just a lack complete lack of awareness of how to engage with female leaders in a business environment. And that's, like I said, it's pretty exhausting, you know, but I'm going to muddle through and keep fighting for more and more women to join the ranks, but it's really really challenging to to be that. It's hard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. About seven years ago, I jokingly said that hubris was the word of the year for cannabis, but I haven't retired it yet.
1: Mm -mm. I, um, it's just it's so crazy to me and and i think also just the seriousness of what you're you know what you're given um and the easily dismissed you know type of attitudes i get it i get it i guess and i'm like god i've been doing this for so long do you think i've never seen this before do you think that i'm not understanding how this works and i think part of the challenge obviously we think is there's a silver, silver, silver bullet and that is the federal government finally getting their heads out and making the right decisions. But um, I don't, I think that just opens an, a different can of worms. Mm. Um, I don't think it's a uh, nirvana by any stretch of the imagination, um, but it is solving a huge pain point, but you know what that does, it creates additional... And it's kind of like a lesson that we work with the team all the time. I'm like, well, what are the unintended consequences of us doing that? Let's really think about it. And there's just kind of like this blank, sp- blank stare <laughs> that happens. And you're like, oh, so you didn't think about that. Okay, well, should we get a whiteboard? <laughs> should we talk about <laughs> it? It's just, it's really interesting. And I think, you know, one of the other big gaps that happen in this space, and I think it we're doing way better, it's way more normalized, Um But we still have a tough time attracting high-level mid-management or high-level management talent. It's all kind of upward mobility with us, which we're super proud of. Mm -hmm. But it's not ideal. You know, I I think Eric and I talk – Eric, my partner, um, who's also an owner, and uh, my partner in life as well. We talk about it all the time. It's like we've been doing this. We've been building this team. And we are working harder than we've ever worked. And it's like, gosh, are you serious? like it's it's exhausting there's not a relief valve that i've found yet but i'm working hard on
0: it <laughs> yeah the the work life balance is is insane with our work yeah it's yeah. it's really crazy and you're right it's 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 interesting like trying to attract talent i always had people really surprised that I was working in this space coming from, I, I did, I worked in civil rights and operations management before this. And it was oh, wow. yeah when I was in uh, my late thirties, I had stage three colon cancer and I was, yeah. And then that's when I got my card, but you know what? It's one of those things where sometimes one of the worst things that could possibly happen to you actually drives you to your heart's work. And, right. you know, and isn't yeah. it kind of exciting to be able to take all the skills you've accumulated and put it towards something that you love? So you have that more
1: of that energy to do it. But there is only so much you could put in, too. It, I think you're nailing it right there. And that passion project is so great. But it also it um, it requires a measured um Discipline, I guess, yeah, to make sure that you just don't get eaten up, right, yeah, yeah and and I think I think in particular, people that enter cannabis, especially from I think where you're talking about the passion side, um it's just a just keep swimming attitude, and that can be like a soul crusher, yeah, a soul crusher,
0: yeah, yeah, but backing up a little bit how did how did you get into the space, and what got you? interested in cannabis to begin with
1: um i think i had casual experiences in high school and college so it wasn't from a oh i do this every day or this is my um consumption you know fun pack of choice so and i didn't have a medical issue specifically that brought me to it but i think there's two converging things that happened um and one of them is a family member stage four lymphoma, um, lived in a non-cannabis friendly state. Um, my husband at the time had to basically, you know, mule a lot of product out to this family member to help, um, really with life transition. It wasn't a, it was, I mean, we were there, I guess there was, moments of hope that maybe it would help. But I think it was so early. We weren't at that moment where, oh, you do RSO and this will help or this can help. It wasn't even that. It was just like, how do we get this person at the dinner table? How do we get this person to sleep through the night? How do we get this person to deal with some of the chronic issues of dealing with that type of cancer? And um, so it became a little bit of a life transition You know, product. And that really opened my eyes. I was just like, think about how many people transition every single day in utter pain and misery and doped up full of morphine and really just wasting away in beds and how unhealthy that is and what a horrible exit. Like, geez, shouldn't we exit like with a bang and like at the best we could possibly be? So that was part of it. It became a huge, like, palliative care product that I dove into I was like this is amazing and then um, kind of simultaneously I hit a glass ceiling in a small firm I was working for and um, kind of did a big thing and like was doing some really helpful cash generation work for a small firm and asked for a piece of the action was basically told no and I'm like well then why would I continue to make you guys all the money I mean that just doesn't it doesn't even make sense Um, So at the very same time, cannabis legalization from the medical side, from, you know, the Cole memo and basically this 2020 amendment that existed, um, cannabis was born some, you know, and and it's funny if you think about Colorado in particular, we were the first to get rid of prohibition, we were the first to have non Native American casinos so just independent casinos on non-Native American land, no tie whatsoever. And then, of course, we do cannabis, too. So we definitely have a have a uh, what's the right word? We have a um, a stomach for it, you know, like a, a fortitude, like, yeah, we're just breaking all the rules. But um, so I mean, so basically, at the very same time, um, I had a lot of friends that were getting into this space. And I just started asking around, hey, maybe I can join you. I'm really good at this. I'm really good at this. Um, and they didn't even know what skill sets they needed. You know, they were just like, somebody's going to help us. Okay, great. And I'll just never forget the first time I went to my grow in Colorado. When it was, I've never been in a grow like this. I've never been in a grow, quite frankly. And I walk into this dark, dingy warehouse. Whole bunch of people are sitting on a gross sofa with a gross <laughs> coffee table trimming weed smoking weed and trimming weed and then kind of walking into these random like closets that were in this warehouse that they'd converted by hanging a light or two and there was plants growing in it and at the time I was like god this is and I was with our attorney so I kind of felt like okay at least I'm with my attorney he'll tell me if we need to exit quickly right but we were we both just kept looking at each other going what what are we what is this like this is crazy how are we sitting here trimming weed smoking weed packaging weed to sell in some dispensary somewhere it was it was remarkable and then you know compound that kind of epiphany of whoa we really need to professionalize this um and yeah we just can't put a whole bunch of plants out in a green in a warehouse and cross our fingers you know there's hvac there's all this stuff that you have to figure out but no one was thinking about that and then um and then the whole like banking, then we had to figure out what to do with the cash and then, oh, getting kicked out of every bank in Colorado and having personal accounts shut down. And I mean, it just goes on and on and on, right? It's just, and I could just keep going. Then regulations hit and then we had to kind of back in, you know, put the horse back in the barn, which was really, really tricky. And we're all figuring it out together, you know, it's just crazy. Um Yeah. So that's kind of how it started for me. It was in Colorado on a whim of, I got very frustrated in a job that I was doing a lot of really good things and I wasn't getting rewarded for it. So I jumped full bore into this thing, not even understanding what the issues were. And I don't even think anybody then did. And then all of a sudden you start meeting with accountants, you start meeting with various people who are telling you, oh, by the way, this is what you have to do. And I'm like, what, what? And you start looking at your balance sheet, your P and L and you're just like throwing up in your mouth, all the money that is not coming to the company at all. It's just going right to the government.
0: Yeah. Yeah. was, especially with the two ADE, it's almost like doubling your taxes.
1: So yeah. 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 So there there's kind of like a little bit of a beginning story and that I, I was passionate and then I saw it help somebody in a, in an area that I'm, I'm actually super, still super passionate about, which is end of life care. Um, and it also happened to time out with, I hit a glass ceiling. So that's how I got here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I,
0: I think that a lot of the stuff with cannabis and now going into psychedelics we're having more conversations about what facilitates a good death. And one of the things that I noticed, um, when I was doing trainings with hospitals, was like with UCSF and Kaiser, palliative care was very, very open to having the conversations and learning more. Uh, The pharmacists, the doctors, the nurses, even the social workers tended to be more open than a lot of other practices. Although when I was going through cancer, my oncologist was really supportive of me using it. My mom is a cancer researcher, which was how I knew that I could use it for symptom management. Uh, But the head of his practice was against cannabis at the time so i had to actually coach my gastroenterologist through how to fill out the form for my recommendation for cannabis
1: wow but think what a gift you gave them that's a huge gift right you just educated them and now you have one more soldier in the fight. That's really cool. That's oh, a great story. It's you know, it's it's amazing to be able to have
0: those conversations. And now every time I talk to my oncologist, she's always asking me for info and I'm like, Here, take this. Here's some more data. Yeah. And and you know, really having the conversation about that it's it is really good for symptom management. And it is it is good for, you know, when you're transitioning for some of us, depending on how we metabolize. Cannabinoids to be able to have a good death, but also having the conversation that you know we're all really different in how we respond. The one thing I have an issue with is our colleagues that talk about it being a cure for something because uh, when I I'm go right
1: there with you, oh.
0: I, it gets me when somebody is, and and, you know, and I know they're coming from a good place, but when they're like, this is Sarah, she cured her cancer with cannabis. I'm like, Oh, 12 rounds of chemo and a resectioning did that, honey. Like
1: that's, it had nothing to do. It's like, it's like, Oh, that those, you know, your medical procedures had nothing to do with where you are today. It's like, are you kidding? It had a lot to do with it. And it is kind of this balance. It is. Um, it, it, it's, it's, and, and it is not a, it is not a cure all, you know? And I think. I think it's such snake oil, salesman. To me, yeah, I feel it's. I feel it's really dangerous. I think it's not a good look you for know? us. Mm-mm. And I think ultimately, we should be able to have conversations and cannabis consumers and activists of all. We should be able to plug it into the system that we exist in, right? It's mm-hmm. not a. It's not a. Come over here on this island. We're going to be better over here. Uh, And also that's just not how life works. So, and I know plenty of people that have been helped by cannabis and I know plenty of people that haven't, that just haven't found relief in it. Hasn't solved anything. Um, They still died. You know, like I I think it's super, um, I just don't think it's healthy or smart or safe for us to to use those types of words. I feel like it is a part of a protocol and some human beings process cannabis in such a way that it creates a very positive outcome for them. Yes. And some human beings do not have that. Yeah. And, and also, the, and also the, the products that are available in, in, in any given area. And you know as well as I do, not every product does the same thing, right? There's so many different nuances. And I think one of the biggest pieces out of that that I try to help people understand is that there's so much GI stuff that inter- interacts with how you are processing cannabis, depending on how you're, how you're, how you're consuming it. There are a million things that I'm finding out just as an older uh, female in, in my, you know, I'm in my mid fifties and I'm definitely still paramenopausal, but it, I'm finding that cannabis is really helping with a lot of those symptoms and like starting to have those conversations with, with other females and and especially then you compound medicine in in any form with any research and females are mostly left out of the research it's it, the research is done on males between this age and this age and around this weight they're not doing research on women they're not doing thoughtful thorough research on how this affects Various hormones or various, you know, uh, status in life or, pl- or place in life where you are in, in, in your in your journey, and I think that that's so important. And I think what I came away one of my biggest passion points that I came away after several years in Canvas, is that to me it was the most authentic conversation year to date, date lifetime to date of individualized medicine.
0: Yeah. You know?
1: And I think that's that to me has been the biggest gift that I think a lot of people have gotten out of this is that there we need to be so much more individualized, you know, on every aspect like you shouldn't take you shouldn't take this medication, you should take this medication. And by the way, there's a lot of really good DNA testing, um, mostly not covered by insurance, that will tell you hey, you can. You should not take this to treat your depression or this to treat your depression. You shouldn't take this for your GI or this for your GI. There's three areas where they've really nailed it, and that's mental health, that's heart, and that's gut. Um, and if we could get that type of, of understanding of what to avoid from day one, can you imagine how much cheaper our health care would be? Oh, can you imagine how many more people would survive? Yeah, yeah. or not just go through a horrific well let me know in six weeks how you're feeling and meanwhile they're taking an ssid or they're having you know they're taking some mental health thing that their body is absolutely going just like no and six weeks later they're like yeah that's been the most miserable six weeks of my life and they're like okay now let's try this and doing it again and you wonder why there's this distrust right with with the whole system i don't know it's fascinating to me but i also Firmly embrace everybody's different. Everybody is different. Yes. Genders are different. Hormones are different. I'm going to experience menopause different than other people are going to. And there's just not a there's not a one size fits all for any medication. And that includes cannabis.
0: I, I love that you say that. And and by the way, in research, when they're using rats, they're using male rats. Of course. So, you know, we <laughs> I know. <laughs> and as a woman who is who is on the cusp of her 50s and is starting to enter that lovely perry state myself. I've been finding CBD for me has been really helping with the hot flashes. Mm. Mm. You know. But like the pharmacology students say, well for this, what is the dosage and the ratio that you would recommend they give me like different, you know, things that they'd bring up and I'd say, you know, you know, our bodies don't work like that because like you were saying, we are so different. We're walking chemistry experiments. And so, and, and I'd love to hear what you think about this. My approach to it is finding that safe container for experimentation so that you can figure out what works well for you. And really, you know, I mean, I, the ideal thing is the lowest dose, you know, or actually, I'll, I'll take that back the correct ratio at the lowest dose that creates the desired
1: reaction in the body. Yeah. And that's from every possible aspect, right? Cost production, you know, what are you putting in your body? What is the after effect of that? Yeah. Well, I think that that's, you know, you brought up such an interesting thing there because think about how many times, and I've got it. I feel like I've testified thousands of times to legislatures to government bodies to, you know, mayors and police force and, um, and physicians in particular, who just really like things so tied up in a bow, which is frustrating, because I think they learn that. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that's how life works. And I feel like um, this notion that, especially from the legislation side, or the regulatory side, well, you know, we have to limit it, or we have to make sure that the doses, and I'm just like, Guys, it doesn't work like that. And and we need the safe, like you were saying, the safe space, the safe and thoughtful understanding that it is a little bit of an experiment. And by the way, we do that in pharmacology all the time. Right. That's what that's why we send people home and say, call me in six or eight weeks and let's see how you're doing. It's because they don't know either. Right. And truly, to be an effective drug that actually gets through the system, although we all know how gamey and corrupt that is you know really you only have to have numbers of like 34 percent, but with cannabis we need a hundred percent make sure like the safest thing you can consume as a human on this planet is cannabis and we're gonna have to we have to have it to a different standard than pharma and how disgusting that is and then you understand like really what's making the world move and the Gear's turn, and it's money, and you're just like, God, it's just so pathetic and then as as we are getting into to psychedelics and all of this other amazing amazing studies that are happening and the results that we're seeing for p t s d and mental health mm. um rewiring of the brain um adjusting the chemistry of the brain i I just feel like the more we just let go and like just give ourselves safe space to practice stuff and then for, and it's only true for me. This is what I know for sure, that five milligrams of this and a gram of that or whatever, you know, th- what I know for sure is this is what helps me. I'm not going to sit there and go, now you try it. I'm going to say, well, this is what helps me. This is how I got there. Let me show you how to try this in a safe way. Yeah. And if you're overindulging, or you're feeling that anxiety or that heart racing, or you want to just climb in a closet for five hours by the way, I can help you with that too. So it's, it's just like this, this notion that a, a, one of the safest substances on the planet, I mean, sugar is more dangerous, right? You know, like caffeine has more contradictions. <laughs> than so cannabis. True. But we're going to put limits on it. And we're going to say you can't do it here. And you can't do it that way. And I don't know, to me, it's just bad back ass words for sure it is and i think that because of that we also have to have the conversation
0: like when i'll teach classes i always say you know even though we create our own endogenous cannabinoids not all of us tolerate phytocannabinoids and that's okay it's all right it doesn't mean that this is bad it means it's not for you like back in the day there was this This woman came into the store and she's like, why do you have this 100 milligram brownie? This is unsafe. Nobody should have this. And I said, well, you shouldn't have it. And and I know that I shouldn't have it because I would be hallucinating. But there is somebody out there who needs this for pain management or may know exactly how they divide it to get through their week. And so... Maybe we should reserve the judginess and just concentrate on critical thought on what's good for ourselves and not worry
1: so much about
0: other people.
1: Right. And it'd be one thing if we could point to thousands and thousands of people that are having mal effects of over, you know, over-consuming THC or over-consuming, you know, fill in the blank, right? Mm -hmm. But we don't have that body of evidence, yet we still act as if we do. And I, and, and because, and this is the other side of it, because we don't have that body of evidence, then there are some people, some professions that just say, well, because we don't have the evidence, we shouldn't do it at all. Right. And you're just like, huh, that's such a, why are we at these extremes instead of just giving each other a little grace? You know, mm-hmm. I don't know that it's, it's a really hard thing. And it also breeds so much distrust for people that have found relief in cannabis or psilocybin or fill in the blank. Right. Um, this the amount of distrust that you immediately get for the standard options for care, and I think that that is really the bigger disservice, it right? Is. Because there is plenty of benefit from plenty of benefit from Western medicine. Um, you know, chronic care. If you have strep throat, take some penicillin, please. Hurry up. Um, you know, if you have various arthritis or various other you know there's just so much 100% data on this helps this serves this works diabetes etc yet we treat a plant that I don't know it it to me is is a very magical thing for a lot of people yet we want to make sure nobody has it unless we can do it for everybody or nobody can get it if if I don't have the data and this the circle of craziness that that creates it's it's hard it's it, really hard it's true but at the same time we have to keep talking about it that's our job we yeah. have to keep talking about it yeah
0: we do we have to keep talking we have to keep educating there aren't enough people having the conversation I do think too as we start to evolve and people start looking at that information as something that generates revenue from for them there's also starting to be a lot more gatekeeping around that which mm-hmm. It's not correct. I mean, yes, you you don't want to get, you know, you don't want to get medical advice from somebody who's working behind the bar of a dispensary, but you can look at them as a navigator to help you decide what works well for you because they've probably talked to a lot of people. If they're, you know, you've, depending on the culture of the company that they're working for will depend on their training and Mm -hmm. how thoughtful they are in their process and their day-to-day work. I don't understand how somebody can work eight plus hours of their life and not understand what they're working with, but it does exist. Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, when I would train staff, I would say, you know, pay attention to what people are telling you, pay attention to their experiences, pay attention to the patterns because somebody else is going to come up to you with the same things, you know, the same experiences. And then, You may be able to help them make an empowered decision for themselves so that, you know, cannabis is expensive. Nobody wants to buy something that's going to have an effect that they don't like or not work. But if they know that you're listening to them and you're making Mm -hmm. suggestions, you're creating those relationships. We want to be able to create successful consumer experiences where they feel safe.
1: So true. We talk about that with our, um, and we call we call our bud tenders guides at Cana Provisions here that. in Mass. And, um, you know, we always talk about the value of anecdotal experiential feedback. Yes. And sometimes that's you personally, you know, you sitting there saying, I actually, this is a product actually I use every single day. And this is how I use it. And this is what it does for me. Or one of my most favorite customers comes in and she's got MS. And this is this is what's helped her or one of my most favorite customers. She's 63 years old. She doesn't sleep until she started taking this product. And now she hugs me every time she comes in because she's sleeping. But that's the the, the value of, of sharing a message as opposed to a fact. And if we don't present that with a side of caution. we always run the risk of somebody having a really bad experience and then they never, ever come back. Yes and that's that's unfortunate because think about the lost opportunity for that human to maybe have a really different experience in life because of a small amount of cannabis, but unfortunately they weren't um, maybe educated enough before they walked out the door. Um, and we really harp on it, like, is this the first time eating edibles? Okay, okay, okay. This is kind of how we're going to do it. You know, let's make sure it's at nighttime. Let's make sure you're not going to be driving or going anywhere. No social events, no alcohol. Um, And, you know, we're going to take a half of a half, and we're going to wait for solid two, three hours and see how you feel. And, you know, we want you to have a notebook. I want you to really be thoughtful about what you're doing. And I just feel like if we did that in life in general, think about how smart, how much more smart we would be as a society. You know, if we taught our kids like, hey, let's sit down and we're going to drink a beer together and we're going to write down exactly how much we had. We're going to look and read the label, how much alcohol is in there, how much food did we have? And just think about maybe we would have such less binge drinking and horrific behavior on alcohol because we were more... thoughtful about educating about it
0: you know yeah and we'd be more in touch with our bodies and the realization that everything we put in our bodies creates a reaction because we've become so detached <laughs> from our bodies especially in this time of like technology and social media and it's all got its place but when you've got things constantly coming at you how in touch are you with the body in which you reside
1: hmm yeah oh- also, how responsible do you want to be for that body, right? And I think that's the whole other notion of there's a whole range of that. There's people that just trust whatever's thrown at them on the television screen. And that's what they take. And that's what they do. And this is how they're choosing to behave. And then there's other people that are completely distrusting of anything that anybody says. So they don't do any of it, including going to doctors or going to get physicals or your annual screens, any of that stuff. And it's like, how do we find that sweet spot in the middle where we can have super thoughtful conversations about trusting our body, knowing our body? And I kind of think about it, you know, I mean, my kids are 32 and 22 almost. And I think about their journey in life. And when my youngest or my oldest was in kindergarten, it was all about the seatbelt. And they started in preschool and kindergarten. And that's Mm -hmm. the indoctrination of the seatbelt with my daughter it was very much about recycling and food waste and compost. And so she grew up seatbelt. No, that's a no brainer. Cause everybody around her is wearing a seatbelt. So of course it's not optional, right. but she grew up in this different view of the world. And I think about that all the time. I'm like, how we know how to do this. We know how to train a society to do better, right? and i just feel like sometimes we just forget that we know that we know how to do it and and we don't do it and then we start trying to bang our head against the wall with adults which you know that's hard <laughs> so um yeah i don't know i think we could probably beat this horse on and on right but it is a fascinating thing um it it just it really is fascinating and then you kind of compound that with Oh, and then how do women get a voice in this, or how do social equity and you know and people of color actually have a thoughtful voice in this industry? And you're just screaming above rich white guys and just trying to like please, but at the same time, they're also the people that have the money. So I, I don't know; it's a hard road to hoe, right? It is. It is. It's the the lack of
0: representation and critical thought, seeing things through a certain lens of a certain group of people is very, very limiting, I mean it's just kind of like we're still hearing the old trope cannabis sells itself, and the marketing where it's going towards this very small market of people that they're not growing anymore like it's it's not like and as much as you know i have a I have a deep appreciation for stoner culture and where it's it came from that is not representative of the population as a whole and we have a much larger population a much larger market that we still haven't tapped into because we're not there with normalization yet and we should be we should be having the conversations that you and Mm -hmm. I are having right now which actually draws people in like I always like to say conversation is normalization like let's really talk about you know let's not make false promises but let's talk about Being able to use it as a tool to create balance in our lives or just to kick back or the many non-euphoric ways that people can use cannabis and it could fit into their lives. Not that everybody has to use it, but I think that people should have the opportunity to experiment with it and see if it works well for them. And it's still very intimidating in many ways. And part of it it is, yeah, it's, it's a lot of it is the patriarchal
1: approach we have in the industry. I think you. I think you're nailing it right there. I think um, something I often tell my team is, from my experience in the space from 2009 till today, I 100% still believe cannabis is one one conversation at a time. Yeah, and it it proves out all the time for me. I have a phenomenal uh, colleague in on the St. Patrick's Day parade committee in Holyoke, Mass. And I know that sounds kind of silly. But it's a very big committee, like 300, 400 people. It's a thing. And the St. Patrick's Day Parade is a really big thing in Holyoke. It brings, you know, 300, 400,000 people to the area for the weekend and it generates about $22 million for the city. So it's like a big thing. That's a big thing. Um, huge, especially for little Holyoke, 40,000 people. Like, how do you, where do you even put 300,000 people? Um, but we figure it out every year. And regardless, I'm the only cannabis company participating with the parade. Thank you very much. And I go to every meeting and I go to every event. And I had a very lovely human, about 83 years old, come up to me. Kid, and he talked to you. I'm like, let's have a conversation. <laughs> he's like, I'm pretty sure you could help. And I'm like, maybe I might be able to. And he's like, I don't sleep. I'm in a lot of pain. I'm going to the pain clinic. Do you think, you know, there are products for me that might help? And I'm like, well what I know for sure is I have a bunch of products that you can definitely give it a try and let's see what happens, but let's, let's get a few products together for you. Let me write out exactly what you need to do with each of those products. And here's the fun thing. In a few days, you're going to know where it's working or not. It doesn't take weeks and weeks and weeks, you know, if this helped me sleep, you know, if this made my pain go away, you know, if this made me feel like crap. Um, and literally had the meeting. His his wife was with him. She's writing it all down. And he's like, you know, the only reason she's here is because you're a woman. And I'm like, well, God bless her then. I love that. That's awesome. And like I said, they went out the went out of the shop with their bag full of goods, all my notes, my phone number, call me, text me, email me whatever you need to do. And I ran into him about five days later at the St. Patrick's Day 10k run not that he was running, don't get me wrong, <laughs> but he was. A, he loves to watch it, as we all do, because it's super fun. And he comes up to me and goes, kid, what do you notice? And I'm like, I don't know, Jerry, you look pretty happy. And he's like, I don't have my walker. I don't have my walker. I don't need my walker. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. He's like, you saved me. I'm like, well, I don't know about that. But I helped you find some products that are working. He's like, we need to come back because now my wife wants to wants you to help her. <laughs> like, <yes. laughs> That's awesome. But what a! But isn't it indicative? Isn't it what how it happens? You yeah. have that one conversation. You have a very thoughtful, detailed, you know, regimen of try these three, try these four, do this one in the morning, do this one at nighttime. This might be a great thing topically. You can put on all day long keep notes, let me know I'm available. And I can just, I just feel that nine times out of 10, when I approach it that way, people walk out, um, and they have a better experience in this life. And if that's what it takes, then let's do that. Yeah. Let's do that. And since then, of course, now I, I don't know, I probably have 30 customers out of parade committee that I'm aware of. I probably have a bunch more that I don't know. And seriously, from people sleeping to people that had, you know, massive tennis elbow, and now they're like, hey, I think I might swing again. I'm like, awesome. And if that isn't fulfilling, you know, like, it just it, it makes my heart sing to know that a conversation and a handful of thoughtful products with really clear instructions, change somebody's life. And, and it was maybe a 100 bucks, you know, like, who wouldn't make that trade all day long? That's I would.
0: And, and and no side effects. That's When you were talking about the walker, it reminded me of my mother-in-law. She's 84. And over the pandemic, she's been having issues with neuropathy in her feet. So she's been having to use a walker. So I got her these infused Epsom salts. And I was like, just take a scoop, mom. Put it in a foot bath. It won't get you high because you're not. T- it's not touching any mucous membranes. Just soak your toes. She doesn't have to use her walker. She went to her doctor with the the package and she's like instead of gabapentin you should be telling people to use this and she like puts it on the table (laughs) and her doctor was like oh and you know mom never was attracted to cannabis and she doesn't she had no interest in getting high or anything like that and she was just kind of like well what else can I use it for can we talk about sleep and and we did go from there because it's those baby steps is that conversation but going back to cannabis and the patriarchy which also when we were talking about medicine and the fact that one size doesn't fit all we're getting into more formula retail which I understand saves money it's less thought but we really need to be looking at not only training people that are working in the stores to be able to help people but also to engage them and to create professional development because you know I I keep hearing time and time again like I I'm the chair of the Medicinal Use Subcommittee for the state, and I was talking about getting more education requirements in for people who work behind the bar. And a physician got on public comment and said, you know, that's a liability. It costs too much money. We can't be putting these stores through this. They already are having a hard enough time. And I was like, okay, so let's pause here. Cause then she said the turnover of staff, so why would you invest it? I'm like, there's a turnover in staff, and I say this as, as an HR or professional development person, because you're not engaging people. How, you, do you want to work at a place that you don't understand or like or aren't geeking out on what you're doing?
1: I don't. Maybe some people mm-hmm. do. You know? Very, very few. And they're they're just wheels in the cog or cogs in the wheel. And um, and they're not going to be the best employee anyway. Oh. So it's kind of like, how do you find those passionate humans that want to be trained? And then once they are trained, they feel like, oh, what's next? What do I get to learn next? And that's that's like the perfect perfect team. Perfect team.
0: Yeah. Growing a strong team and having people that you trust that you can actually develop
1: into other positions is the biggest gift. Yeah. I, I 100% agree with that. I feel like we... Um, we definitely embrace the training. We have a ton of it, but we also, um, what's the right word? It's hard to source, you know, canned material for that. Yeah, And so it's super expensive to like create your own and um, also not nearly as effective as a professional kind of training aspect where there's multiple learning modes and various ways that uh, recognizing that. Each human uptakes information differently, so some people need visuals, some people need to hear it, some people need to read it, some people need a combo of those things. Mm-hmm. And you know that there's just not a ton of resources, and there's certainly not a ton of affordable resources. You know, if you have a giant staff, and every training is sixty-seven dollars, it just doesn't take long to add up. And then I see why from a from a you know PNL standpoint, how you have to make really tough decisions about how much you're going to invest when you could easily invest thousands of dollars to make your, you know, really great trained humans that are talking to other humans, but it's just not, it doesn't fit in the budget. So it's hard. It's really hard, but there are some great opportunities out there. I mean, obviously there's really great companies doing good work and we just try to find every webinar that is super cheap or free or that we multiple people can attend. So it only costs, you know, one flat rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and the staff really does want a lot more training, but then the other part of that is every product is so different. And I, you know, I'm I know in California for sure. So I've been spent a ton of time in there in the cannabis world. Um, and in Colorado, it's just like, you walk in and you're just like, what is that? How does that work? You know? Mm-hmm. And so, there's this again. There's multiple, multiple modalities, multiple conception methods, mul- multiple reactions based on a million different things, and I think it can be super overwhelming as well. You know, it can. That's for sure. But I just go to let's just try it and see what happens because that's... that's kind of that's my mentality. <laughs> let's see how you feel.
0: That's it. Well, we would always do like a, a, a base training for everybody, and then as new products would come on, I would. I would do videos, especially like interviewing people from the company and just like asking them all the questions so that everybody had access to it. And I have to say, like, there's I mean when you're looking at like the consumer experience, you know, you want to have your true blue fans that keep coming back no matter mm-hmm. what. And that mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily have to do with price. It has to do with like I, I had somebody come up to me once and say I could get my. Where, at the place that I used to work, I could get my weed somewhere cheaper, but you educate me, you treat me with respect, and your staff are filled with compassion. And for, you know, there are people who are looking for the good deals. There always will be. Sometimes I'm that person. Um, <laughs> but by and large, people are looking for places, especially in cannabis, realizing like how personal and emotional it can be. They want to. Oh, yeah. They want to go somewhere where they can get good product from people that they trust. They're like, oh, they're not just sending me home with this because their manager said we need to push out all this inventory this week, and someone's getting an extra treat for doing it.
1: Mm-hmm. You
0: know, they're actually listening to me and seeing me as an individual because the one thing, I, I I had somebody come in one day, and I was training behind the bar, and they're like, you've been here a really long time, and I'm like, yeah. 10 years and they're like you must have you've seen some shit and I was like well (laughs) yes yes Yes. I have you know and he leans in it's like what is it and he thought I was going to give him some good dirt but I think I really disappointed him he's probably like hippie but I was just like I know that everybody wants to be safe they want to be healthy they want to be loved they want to be seen and they want to be heard
1: Mm -hmm.
0: we all have that in common we're more alike than we could ever know Mm -hmm. and you know that wasn't the most satisfying answer for the man. But <laughs> it's like, you know, when we're behind there every day and we see people that are coming in, you know, enjoying their experience or sometimes coming in
1: in the worst days of their lives, we have to hold space for that. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes, along with everything you just said, there's also an invitation. And I say this a lot, especially in my, like, female Circles, um, committees, groups that I belong in, um, it's the notion of, you know, shop local means something. And it all means, I don't ever think it, I don't know that it automatically translates in everybody's brain as as far as what it actually means. But we break it down to, we have opportunities to vote every single day with our dollar. Mm Mm-hmm. And we all understand that life gets hectic and gets crazy. And sometimes we just eat McDonald's French fries. No judgment. But if most of the time what you do as a consumer is vote with your dollar, I think our little worlds change quicker, you know? And again, I don't, I'm not judging business models. I'm not judging people's ideals about cannabis. I'm not, I'm not, that's not my role. Right. I know what's important to me as a human and being able to sleep at night. I know what's important to my staff. And I think ultimately making that invitation of how are you voting today? And it's not just on Tuesdays in November Mm -hmm. or here in here in Massachusetts, Mondays in April or May, because that's (laughs) also when a lot of local elections are. That's what you vote every day. And that influence that you put in that, cash register is probably way more powerful by the way you know and I think you know we we tried to talk to our to, our, to, to all of our staff about we're a small business we're women-led we're women-owned and that's really important to some people so let's make sure we talk about that let's make sure we support that um, some people are just you know super budget conscious and we can talk about that too but I do think you can do both. I think there's ways to do both. And I think our consumerism takes over and that we just need the best deal all the time because I want to buy more deals. And it's like, but do you need more deals? I Fine. mean, I, it's like if, the, if, you can, if, if somebody said to you, you're going to change your little cor- corner of the world, let's just make it up. You know, It's going to be 20% better because you've chosen to spend more of your money in your local community with locally owned, locally, you know, run businesses, who wouldn't make that trade. But I don't think we talk about it like that. And I think cannabis is a given area to talk about because we focus on equity. We focus on the drug war. We focus on, you know, all the crazy stuff that happens around this plant and women get in that mix. And, you know, lots of things get in the mix and patients often are not as important their voice is not nearly as important because the dollar starts speaking. Um, But I just, I think, God, if we could just vote with 50% of our dollars for things that we support and believe in and whether that be some massive ideal like pro-life or pro-choice or pro-environment or, you know, make it up, whatever it is. I think that God, our, our little communities would just be so much stronger. Yeah. And it does matter to go buy your pet's food at the local pet store that's important shop you know eating at local restaurants it's really important that we do that they have one of the biggest impacts as far as your your local community you know and obviously buying weed from your local women-owned women-led company doesn't suck either so um, I think when you start challenging people and also inviting them you might get a few more dollars voted in the things that matter and education on hey by the way this does matter and it is important that you get your gas here instead of there. It mm-hmm. is important that you take your clothes to this dry cleaner, not that one. And, um, and again, it's not about making anybody wrong. It's about what do you, what I know for sure is if you, if you can change your little circle, that's how you change the world. You know, very few of us are equipped to go and now I'm gonna knock it out of the park for the entire North American continent. <laughs> you know, like Most <laughs> of us don't have that reach or that access or those resources. But I do know um, Can of Provisions opening in the sweet little village of Lee, Massachusetts has changed a lot of people's lives. That's and awesome. And I'm really, really proud of that. I'm really proud of that. Yeah. And maybe maybe they take that influence and they take that energy and they go change a little more of the corner of the world that we live in.
0: That's it. it be, it's 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 good to to buy local, not only because that money stays in your community and it supports in the, in the end it's, it supports everybody in that community because mm-hmm. it it goes around, but also that representation. It's kind of like when um, a few years ago I did a, a talk at Ignite, which was about young women running for office. Like so many times, you know, young women don't understand. Well, I think they do now, but like as a, as, As a a Gen X woman, it's like, I remember, like, growing up, like, for us, women were fighting to do things, but feminism was almost a a punchline I used to see. Like, it was kind of like, oh, these women, these feminists, they're blah, blah, blah. They're not really women. They're, like, hard and cold and they're doing stuff. And it's like, no, Women need representation. Strong women are a wonderful thing. Like we should be on equal footing as men. We should be able to have a say. There should be representation. Young girls should feel like they can run for president. I mean, you know, how many people actually make it? We only have so many presidents. But it's like in, in cannabis, like there should be more female leadership. And the thing that I've noticed with products and companies is that by and large, women-led companies have a more thoughtful approach. There's more heart, there's more inclusiveness, there's more representation. And these are all super wonderful things that need to be and it's beyond cannabis. It's just one facet of our world.
1: Yeah. I mean, they, they, talk, about, they talk about that even just in Fortune 500, of the companies that are led by women tend to be more profitable. They have better retention, um, more job satisfaction. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not surprised by that necessarily, but, um, the you know, the cost to entry is really hard and tough and long. And I think just like running for office, I think people automatically think of big offices instead of going, I'm going to run for school board. Right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be on the chamber board. I'm going to uh, sit on this committee in – and that service is like the rent for living. I mean, that's kind of my mentality on that. And you don't get to run for president if you didn't run for school board or if you didn't run for local government, you know, be on the select board, be the mayor, be, you know, solicitor or whatever, you know, whatever you're choosing to, right. to focus your talents on. That's how it starts. And by the way, those elections impact your day-to-day life more than anything the president does. Period.
0: Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Get out. You you must get out and vote. The school board is one of your most important ones because a lot of policy starts there and again is indoctrinated through little ones all the way through. And so depending on who's leading that that entity that 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 specific government body, um, they have a lot of power. Yeah, they do. And if you don't feel like running for office, there are a lot of
0: great local committees and government that you can run for for appointments. So you don't have to do the whole campaign election thing. crap. Yeah. yeah.
1: Or you at least get get to eyeball it a little bit more, but you're still participating. And I and I would say that that's true of of, of civic service, whether as well as as private service. Like I said, I'm a lion um i can run for various offices as a lion i can go be a gut you know the the section governor um i could be our treasurer i could be you know there's a million things that you can do and by the way they do a lot of great work and it's a it's just a different aspect but you've got rotary you've got lions you've got um kiwanis i mean there's so many things like that that i just think we just think a bunch of old people run it and and it's just it does that service is really important to what the community is doing and it directly impacts people that are in your community as well. So it's, it's a really cool thing to kind of take a step back and, and just hyper-focus on volunteerism first and foremost, and where do you want to make a big impact? What are you passionate about? What makes you feel good at the end of the day? Yeah. And um, I love that. Yeah. It's, I, uh, I grew up
0: with my, my dad being part of Rotary, and it was much more than the pancake breakfast. Right. There's a lot it's, it's, of service
1: a lot of service and a lot of funding that you get to determine where is that going and who is it helping. And, um, and, and also the reach to younger people and especially in Rotary, you know, there's just, there's a big reach in that. And here in, here in the Berkshires, the Rotary is a tri-town or quad town Rotary. So we really get an interesting view uh, around what everyone's doing. Um, Lee Lions is kind of a very hyper-local little entity, but, I'm telling you, it's fascinating. And then in the process of all of that, we've ended up, you know, donating to them, volunteering for them, helping in ways that, you know, it's just, it's been a really interesting thing. I really love talking to my employees about, why don't you join Lions? Why don't you join Kiwanis? Why don't you join this? Maybe we'll pay for your fee to do it, you know? Yeah, yeah.
0: The community involvement aspect is just, it's, it's a huge thing. And that's, and I think like back when we were doing Um, in the 215 days in California there's a lot more community involvement because the collectives had to give back to the community Mm -hmm. and those programs I mean talk about saying that you know cannabis isn't a panacea and there's so much more to it it's like there's mental health there's traditional allopathic medicine there's just getting up and stretching and going to a yoga class there's You know, going to an anxiety group like there's so many different things, but you know we could go on and on about this. But you know, and we've been talk. I could talk to you all day, Meg, because you're just fascinating. (laughs) But what are you know as as we start to kind of wrap up our time together? What are some things that you're really excited about? Because I know you have some exciting projects going on, and you know, just in general, what you're really liking. Because I know you have a you have a project with Little Steven.
1: We do. We have um, what was uh, Little Stephen's Underground Apothecary products. That's now moving to Sylvia Stash products, and that's super fun and also a passion project because um, you know I grew up with him. Um, huge E Street Band fan, Bruce Springsteen. You know that's that was like my anthem as a kid. Um, so that that was just really cool. And he's a he's a fascinating human. Um, probably one of the Strongest activists we have living today. Actually, um, he was instrumental in, a, in 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 apartheid and talking about that and helping under pe- people understand what that means. And I don't know, if you, I don't even know if you remember this, but I'm not going to play Sun City in South, you know, in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, he that was that was him. He just drove that project home and speaks so eloquently about racism and what was going on and why he got so passionate about it and he's equally passionate about the drug war and how horrific it is Um, he's super thoughtful about communities that have been impacted um, obviously uh, communities and human beings that are still in jail for this plant and what a waste it is and actually what the purpose of all of that meant and what the government was really trying to do And he's just such an activist. That's one of my biggest reasons why we work with him. I just, I really adore him for that. He's got a huge heart. Um, So that's super fun. Um, And we're going to, we're dying to see, you know, Silvio's stash out there in the market and see how that, how that takes off and all our Soprano fans and little Steven fans in general. I kind of want a little, a Lily homer strain or something I'd <laughs> That'd really like cool. to see that happen <laughs> wouldn't that be great yeah um but you know he's just he's a consummate professional first of all he's a very kind human and you it's like talking to him is once you get to know him and you know once you've met him you kind of get over the celebrity because I was just like whoa but once you get over it he's just so great to talk to I mean he just has so many thoughts on things and how things should be and it's inspiring to see someone like that running around this world and also wanting people to use his cannabis. So that's awesome. And then obviously, um, you know, we are super passionate about, about Greg and, you know, chem dog as he's known and the fact that he's a direct victim of the drug war. Um, he is the example of social equity in Massachusetts. And the fact that he wow, with so much, so much humble, loyal shows up every day no ego i mean the guy just loves the plant and shows that to his staff every single day and you think about somebody like kim bug who has just this he's legendary right right and you could just imagine he could be a full-on egotistical all about me i should have a tv show stuff you know that could easily be him um but the beauty of it is he's just happy sitting in his sweatpants at home with his dogs and he's really just thrilled to be around this plant and doing what we're doing and that that fills my heart after seeing so many of the master growers and i'm the best and i'm like yeah but can you put it on a spreadsheet oh you can't okay so you're not a master grower <laughs> that's not what that means um so yeah i mean I, i'm humbled every time i'm with that guy he's he's people when they see him the the love that they have in their eyes and also, just kind of all the different aspects where he's changed a lot of people's lives, just anecdotally, that he doesn't even know. And when they get around him and meet him, they're like, they just want to hug him and just like, thank you so much, you saved my life, or you've been my inspiration for so long. And I, I love seeing him get giddy about that. He still blushes too, so he's he's an he's really an amazing man. We're very fortunate to have him leading up our our cultivation team.
0: That's awesome. Have you ever noticed that some of the most gifted, accomplished people are some of the loveliest, most humble people?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it makes sense, right? It's, a, it's, the, it's the heart forward. That's how I'm going to go through this world. And, and lots of times really good things happen when you when you go that way. Yeah. Um, and for some reason, there's just so many humans that think that that's not how you should do it. You just have to bully your way through or ego your way through. Um, it's it's a really difficult thing to watch. I've seen a lot of people kind of get a little too close to the sun, if you know what I mean. And, um, and you're just like, wow, I just truly watched you just spontaneously combust in your own ego. How'd that go for you? How's that working out? Hard. <laughs> also known as getting high on your own supply. <laughs> 100%. Oh, I'm going to get high on my own supply. I'm going to tattoo my entire body about my own supply. It's all about me and screw anybody else. <laughs> it's just like, wow, good luck with that. I hope you find an awesome team that loves you for that. But that's not this team.
0: No, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for colleagues like you.
1: Oh, thank you. Me too. I love being able to, to connect with people that really do understand um, how to spread the message, you know?
0: Yeah, and it takes all of us, and, and there's enough room for everybody. It's yeah, just where we, we fit in.
1: That's very, very true. Plenty of room. Plenty of room. Let's get the sharp elbows put away. We don't need those. It's not necessary. <laughs> that's right. That's right.
0: No sharpness. But uh, for people who want to follow you either see what you're doing with products, um, with the brands, with the store, or even if, if they want to work with you, how would
1: they how would they contact you or how would they follow you on social media? Yeah, so Instagram, um, I'm uh, at Megawana Mass. Um, so you can find me there. Uh, and also on Facebook, I'm, I'm Megan Sanders, so you can find me there. Uh, for the company and all the cool things we're doing with that, uh, canaprovisions.com. Um, on um, IG, it's at Cana Provisions Group. You'll find us there. We're also on LinkedIn. Um, we have all of our job postings are on our website as well as on Indeed. And um, I'm, on, I'm on LinkedIn if you you know, want to reach out that way or just DM me on the socials. Those are all really great ways. And also um, we have a great info line, uh, info at canaprovisions.com. And that actually hits directly to my assistant's desk, so anyone trying to reach me personally can can reach out that way.
0: Thank you so much i I'm really glad that we got a chance to meet and talk today, and I'm really looking forward to our future conversations.
1: Oh, me too. We should definitely keep this conversation going, so I have lots of thoughts and uh, so many other things to share with you so oh, about leadership and Oh, so, so many cool things we're doing. It's probably my most exciting thing we're doing right now is a lot of leadership training and I'm really proud of it. That's
0: awesome. We need more of that. We need more leadership training. We need more representation. We need more spreadsheets. (laughs) We do. (laughs)
1: Thanks so much, Meg. Oh, my pleasure. It's really nice to meet you and I definitely hope we talk again soon.
0: Oh, for sure.
1: For sure. Until next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
0: And everyone remember, Planted is twice a month. And if you like listening, please... Give us a review, share it with a friend Let us know what your favorite episodes are And if you'd like to stay in touch Over social media, we are Planted with Sarah Pion on Facebook and Planted with Sarah on Instagram And Twitter You can also go to our website www.plantedwithsarah.com Or listen to us on our Parent network, Radio Misfits Network where there are other great podcasts Like one of my favorites, the Winemakers Podcast So check it out You can listen to Planted wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, whether that's Pandora, Spotify, Amazon, Google, Apple, Stitcher, tune in, we are there. So join us. And until next time, stay curious, stay safe. And remember, it's a wild world out there. Be good to one another. Until next time, take care.